You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Drink it in, man. Left side carry on, picks up a block, at the five, at the two, at the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. Caught! Oh, baby, what a catch! Kenny Galladay, you're a freak! What a catch! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! I love the Lions! Say it with me! I love the Lions! Drink it in, D. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. It is a Friday, Grifka's favorite day of the week, and this might be my favorite day of the week, or maybe my favorite week so far, because we have Lions practice, we have actual football going on, we have actually things to talk about, news and notes, reports on players, it looks like the NFL's got their act together, we are going to have football I got pretty much no doubts about it. The Lions have been tremendous with their COVID rates. I mean, lots to talk about here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'm your host, Derek Oakry. And we got on the other end of the line, the one and only Grifka. Grifka, I don't know if you saw it, but Eric Schlitt put out an article talking about all the different podcasts and beat writers and everything with the Lions. And the thing that cracked me up the most is so he put Detroit Kool-Aid cast, Derek Oakry, and Grifka. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he didn't ask what your first name was. He didn't care. I, I, I told you when we started this that I was going to make you just simply Grifka, the Grifka gimmicks. And here we are. And uh, you're simply known as Grifka in print. No first name needed. How are you feeling here on a Friday? Oh, so that's that's pretty cool, man. It just made my weekend. <laughs> you are so now just Grifka forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm up there with like Prince and Madonna, right. you know, Da Vinci. Everybody knows that stuff. I'm just one name. I can it cracked, it cracked me up. I even wrote him back. I'm like, I'm like, I think it's so perfect that you just wrote Grifka only. But if you want his other name, I gave I gave him your other name, and he didn't he didn't bother to change it. So I thought it was great. He was just like, no, he's Grifka. <laughs> Once again, I can I can live with a little bit of pub like that. I don't I don't need the full name. I'm okay with that. <laughs> So, That's so awesome. I, I mean, I think I know the answer, but how are you doing here on a Friday? After that news, I'm doing good, doing good. You know that. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, it's, it's Friday. So, you know, it's Friday in the summertime. Training camp's happening. It's, you know, once again, it's going to be low 80s up here in Michigan. It's sunny. You know, once again, stay in hot, stay indoors, stay cool, keep your air on. It's not, you know, cool enough yet to crack the windows open in the middle of the day. And as always, man, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> no doubt, man, no doubt. So, I mean, gosh, there's been tons. We had Logan on on Wednesday. We didn't really talk news and notes or uh, all the different things that have been coming out of camp. I mean, you know me. I've been all over the uh, the coordinator press conferences. Matt Patricia's hit the podium a couple times, uh, multiple players. My guy Tracy Walker, DeAndre Swift was really impressive at the podium. Lots to talk about. But Grifka, I know you probably got something stirred up here on a Friday. I know you probably got something you got to ask me, or we're going to have a good show here today. So what do you got going? What, what, are, we, what are we talking about? Well, the first thing is I heard a little rumor about you. Is it true that you're planning a trip to uh, to West Hills? 
you know, and if you are, let me know if it's nice. You know, I hear they got beautiful sunsets and nice golf course. So, uh, you, you hear anything about that or is that true that you're going to visit West Hills? Grifka, we have, we have made West Hills famous here on the show, but there is no more West Hills. Uh, it has been closed up. I, again, I don't know if it's a old folk home, if it's a, if it's a golf course, if it's a, a place where you go take selfies and then post them on Instagram. I mean, West Hills can be so many different things, but it, it's gone now. There, there's no more West Hills to speak of for us. It's a sad day. Hey, quick, uh... Can I piggyback that question? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> you can. Do you think West Hills is on speed dial? If if another running back gets hurt, you think he's on speed dial? <laughs> oh, oh, you like know flu? what? You you know West Hills is on speed dial. I mean, him and Flu are are numbers one and two. But I mean, it's a sad day that West Hills is gone, don't you think? Yeah, I will. I will miss him. I don't know how they were able to sign him off the street on Tuesday and like Sunday he was starting the game in front of like. Ty Johnson, everybody. <laughs> like these guys have been on the team. How, how does West Hills walk in and just start? <laughs> Grifka, Wes Hills. I mean, it was a wonderful gimmick for the time that we made it. We turned it into so many wonderful things, and now it's gone. But Wes Hills is still an incredible name, and I will never forget the one and only Wes Hills. What, what else we got? It's a sad day. Don't don't get us started off on a sad note. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's do this. I don't know if this one will get your, your blood boiling. You kind of mentioned it on oh, Wednesday's we show. Go. But uh, did the Lions really mess up by not, you know, signing Everson Griffin? And, you know, he had tweeted how he wanted to come here and get going. We were kind of hyped about it in the show. And there was a rumor a few weeks back that, yeah, he'll sign with the Cowboys. And it didn't happen. So we still held out hope. But did the Lions mess up by, you know, just not giving him like a one-year deal? Grifka, this is this a real question? This is your question to to not get me upset on a Friday. I mean, this is you, you think I'm going to take this question uh, calmly right now? Yeah, because I, I don't think we can ever miss Everson Griffin because we never had him. So uh, it's like one of those things. Like I, I don't think you'd get too worked up over this. <laughs> well, Grifka, often like on the show, especially when you're talking about players or draft picks or especially uh, paying people. You're wrong. This has this got me fired up. Like, we sat around and twiddled our thumbs on Everson Griffin. Has Bob Quinn looked at the depth chart when it comes to defensive ends and pass rushers? We got about two players on this football team. I don't know what he thinks he's going to do to get after the quarterback. I'm mean, pretty sure he watched tape last year. Uh, we didn't get after the quarterback last year. I don't know what he's done really to... Uh, you know, get it better. Austin Bryant, the guy that I had some high hopes on, he's on pub or he hasn't practiced once. I don't know what his deal is again. Yeah, this is a huge issue because Everson Griffin could have been had six million or whatever the price was, was not too bad. Everson Griffin is a beast of a football player, a physical beast, a type of guy that we could, I think, easily assimilate to our scheme. And instead, what did we do? The old thing that I complain about on this show, the old NFL general manager, just sit around and wait and wait and wait and wait and try to wait as long as you can to, I don't know, bring the price down or to whatever their point is. And what do you do? You lose out on the player. Like it's just, it's just another case to me of Bob Quinn getting a little too cute with it and being like, oh, if I wait another week, maybe his price will come. If I wait another week, maybe an injury will happen or something, and then I'll sign. No, instead, the Dallas Cowboys went and inked this guy up. He's a plug-and-play starter as an edge rusher for them. I damn sure know he could have played for us. And instead, now you're sitting around and go, oh, I like my guys, or, you know, uh, you know, we, we got a good team. Like, You've heard me pub this team. I think we have young players that are, have upside, but adding a player like that to me wouldn't have killed you, especially if you had, you know, I don't know all the details about where they're at with Kenny and Taylor Decker, but if it wasn't going to kill your extensions with those guys, yeah, you should have figured out how to work something out, a, a friendly deal where, yeah, he's happy, but also it's not killing your salary cap for multiple. This isn't a Grifka contract where you're like, hey, Everson Griffin, here's four years, $40 million. Come to the Lions. No, one year, six, $8 million would have been totally fine with me for a pass rusher like him. Instead, 
you played the old wait and see game. And what did you see? The Dallas Cowboys went and swiped another good player for their team. And the Detroit Lions sitting there holding the bag again, especially at a position of need, especially at an impact position like defensive end pass rusher. Uh, I was I was very frustrated when I saw it. I feel like your whole, oh, we never had him, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal because we haven't been able to get after the quarterback since Matt Patricia came here, and I don't feel like we've done much to, you know, get pass rush. What, are we just going to cover again with seven back and a bunch of linebackers? No, you still need beasts up front, and Trey Flowers can't do it all himself, so... Yeah, this has me really frustrated on a Friday, and the fact that you'd act like, oh, no big deal, or oh, I'll throw this at Oakery, and he'll just, you know, be uh, have a calm answer about it. It's got me hot. This is a this is a ridiculous move by the Lions passing on this guy or not being as aggressive as they should. It's another pass rusher we missed on. It's another chance to get us up over the hump and give us something to be excited about. What you went and paid Mike Daniels eight nine million dollars last year. Uh, but you couldn't go ahead and do it for a guy like Griffin. Like there's nobody else on the, on the market unless they're going to go do what I said they should have done back before July 4th, which is go get you Davion Clowney. So unless he goes and does that, it's another, it's a miss by Bob Quinn, a guy who I support, but he does this all the time where he doesn't want to spend any money or he doesn't want to go in on a player when we really need that type of player. And it's come back to bite him a couple of times. I sure hope it doesn't do it in 2020. Okay, I'm done. But like you said, hey, maybe they're saving it for Clowney. They weren't interested in Griffin. That was just kind of a ploy, you know. So uh, maybe maybe they will go get Clowney, even though I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> it won't happen. Like before, you would uh, what? Two months ago, you heard me do a podcast where most people like you got mad because they thought I was just stringing them along. Like I believed it. I thought maybe this is the year. We missed out on Khalil Mack, you know, uh, obviously like the the contract with him as well as what they gave up is crazy, but we've missed out on lots of not only pass rushers, but other types of positions that could have helped us. And I felt like maybe this was the year that they would go um, a one year, $10 million on Jadavian Clowney would be totally fine with me, but I don't see them doing it. And, you know, like I say, I know Clowney wants a lot more than 10 million, but he's playing the waiting game, too. He's going to he's going to go Bob Quinn on himself. He's going to be sitting there waiting, 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 turning down deals. You know, hey, we're three months into camp and everybody's going to say, forget it. We, we go go sit on the sideline. We'll catch you in 2021 or 2022 if you can still play at that point. I mean, yeah, he's going to Bob Quinn himself if he's not careful. So. Uh, it's disappointing, especially for Bob Quinn, a guy that I try to support on the show. I think he makes pretty shrewd, good moves, but this is too many times where he's just waiting around trying to trying to hold out. Or like I said, maybe he's just like, oh, we don't like Everson Griffin. He's not a he's not a fit or Jadavion Clowney. He's a this, that and the other. Well, I guarantee both those guys could help you because you came nowhere within a quarterback last year and you need to get after quarterbacks this year. And you got about two to three bodies right now that can actually do it. So you might want to add another impact piece of that position. Yeah. When, uh, like you mentioned last year, you had like nobody get to the quarterback. And we all know the story about how Dak Prescott said he went through his reads three times before ultimately throwing a touchdown. (laughs) You know, that's a, that's pretty sad. That's three times you're able to go through your reads. That is like ordering a pizza and waiting for it to get delivered and then being able to throw a touchdown. So, yeah, I agree with you. They still need to go out and get somebody. And, you know, we're, we can hold out hope for Clowney, but, you know, like I said, I don't see that happening. And I don't know if they're just being shrewd or being the smartest men in the room right now, but it is kind of difficult to watch. Griffin, I know we got to keep it moving, but when we started this podcast, it was probably like our fifth show or somewhere in that range. And it was when, uh, Cleo Mack was on the, on the trade block from, from the Oakland Raiders at that point. And what was my take back then? Hey, Bob Quinn, Ben, he's been here two, three years. It's a nice time to go make a big splash move. You know, if you can work out a contract and, and decent trade, this is the type of player you trade for. He was at a good age. He was at a position of need. He was a, uh, athletic freak he is a really good guy off the field he checked all the boxes so as much as you try to clown me on the show for oh you just like cheap players well you don't want to pay anybody like i was all aboard with that and that was like three years ago and like here we are having the same discussion about i mean i almost can't name any players that that bob quinn has went big on 
you know, to try to bolster a, a position of weakness, you know, other than drafting people or like, yeah, I think every year in free agency attacks like our weaknesses. Hey, we were bad at this. So let me go get this guy in free agency or let me draft this position. But he, he misses out on these little players, you know, after the fact that are still needed. And gosh, I mean, his one swing in five or six years as general manager was Mike Daniels. I mean, really? That's that's not going to cut it, you know, as, as far as uh, being a little bit bold at times or knowing when the time is right and, and when to to make it happen. You know, I feel like I'm sitting here getting disappointed because I just waited for him to find that perfect move. And instead, yeah, he's made some good draft picks. He's brought in some decent people. He's built a pretty, you know, uh, you know, good team in regards to youth contract base and all that, but he's still a few blue chippers away. And instead of going to get him, he just sits there and waits it out. And I think that the sand in the hourglass is going to run out on him. It, and it's going to run out on him because, it, you know, his, his clock ran out on all these different moves he could have made. And instead he just sat there and said, oh, maybe next time, or, oh, you know, it's a little too expensive, or, oh, you know, I don't love everything about the player. Well, some of these guys can help you, and that's the bottom line. So, anyway, let, let's keep it moving before I get more frustrated. Well, how about we do this really quick? Well, let's uh, take a pause for the cause and pay some bills. You can catch your breath. Uh, then we'll come on back, and I uh, want to ask you a question about the offense, and we'll do some, uh, you know, uh, would you rather? We haven't done a would you rather in a while, so... uh how about we do that? All right. I, I, I need a pause for the cause, Grifka, and we definitely need to pay some bills as we often do here on the show. So everybody, please take a listen to our sponsors. They really help us out. We'll be right back after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, you're back from the break. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors, Anchor, Spotify, all those different uh, great sponsors we have on the show. Keeps the Detroit Kool-Aid cast uh, going uh, where we know, where you know that we do this twice a week, every week for you right here on the show. Drink it in, Grifka, what else you got? I mean, you, you, you thought you'd ask me about Everson Griffin to start the show and about 15 minutes later, I got done talking about it. I got steam coming out of my ears. What else we got here on a Friday? Now, what I have for you is, uh, I don't know if this one might steam you as well. I saw this list not too long ago, and it was um, the most exciting offenses to watch for this year coming up. And naturally, like number one was, you know, Kansas City and other other teams on the list where um, like New Orleans was on the list. Somehow Tampa Bay made it. I realized they got Tom Brady, but, you know, they do have some good offensive weapons, but people are interested in seeing, you know, I guess this guy, whoever did the list, was interested in seeing Tampa Bay, and, you know, they had Dallas on there naturally, and somehow Green Bay made it. I'm not for sure on that one. And then I'm seeing, like, Baltimore, and I'm like, okay, they got a quarterback who can scramble, you know, and he looked pretty bad in the playoff game because he kept throwing the ball to the other team. And as I made my way down the top ten, I – we talked about it, but Detroit wasn't on the list. And like I said, I mean, a few of those teams I named, even Cleveland made the list. And I was just like, their quarterback is terrible. You know, I don't care about their, you know, their one wide receiver who had one catch and was living off that one catch. And, you know, we went back to Dias hair blonde thinking he's going to, you know, relive some glory days. And, you know, he's not even the best wide receiver on that team, but still, you know, they got two tight ends. They got, you know, some running backs and, you know, they tried signing, you know, it's a little bit of a different offensive line, but they're still hamstrung with that crap quarterback. They even made the list as one of the exciting offenses to watch. And like Arizona made the list as well. It's just like, really? You know, so they got the new scheme. So defenses, defense coordinators are going to be able to scheme against it. And all of a sudden, Kyler Murray's the second coming of, I don't know who, but obviously Arizona is going to be one of the most exciting offenses to watch. But yeah, our Lions with, you know, Matt Stafford throwing the ball around, good wide receiving core. 
you know, two, you know, two young, you know, running backs, one of them, you know, you know, could be a stud and swift. And if carry stays on the field and healthy, we've seen his, what he can do. We're, we're both expecting Hawkinson to take, take a step forward. Nowhere on this list, you know, how, does that make feel good or, or how, how are you like, okay, they're flying under the radar. I'm okay with that. Well, Grifka, after that rant from you, I mean, I got a, I've got a couple issues. So I love it that you ran down teams like, I don't know, Dallas, Green Bay, all your, all your gimmicks like you like to do. But you had some horrible takes in there, too, about, oh, I don't know why Tampa Bay's on there. Oh, they got Tom Brady. You, you know why Tampa Bay's on there, Grifka? Because they got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Gronk, O.J. Howard, uh, a couple young running backs, uh, an improved offensive line, good defense. You know, they have a really good team top to bottom. You want to know why the uh, Cleveland Browns are on their grift? I don't have the sound bite, but I know your your bit went something like this. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, he's real good. He sucks. Okay, yeah, that. That was your take. Okay, he was bad for one year. You want to know why they're on there, Grifka? Because they have Jarvis Landry, Odell, Baker Mayfield, that quarterback. They got they got Kareem Hunt. They got Chubb. They got uh, a guy named Austin Hooper at tight end. I don't know if you've seen him. He's been in the Pro Bowl the last couple of years. They they got David and Joku. I mean, they they're just. They're just stacked at all positions. And, oh, they got the Michigan kid, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who they stole in, like, the sixth round of the draft. So, like, some of these teams that you're writing off, I don't know how you're writing off the Baltimore Ravens. They they have one of the most unique offenses in the game. I don't care if their quarterback's not throwing for 400 yards. They're unguardable. It's, it's, it's ridiculous what they're doing on offense. So... I, I don't know what you're thinking about some of these teams. I mean, I, I know you, you sit in your lazy boy and watch football, but you, you might have blinders on because some of these offenses are much better than the Detroit Lions. But I, I I don't know. Here's my thing with the Lions. I feel like, yeah, we've got Stafford. We've got outside weapons. I got a tight end I like, a couple running backs. My problem is, like, it seems like year after year we've sort of – Matt Stafford has this up and down thing with the media where like he'll be, you know, really good. And everybody will be like, Oh, the, the lions are returning Matt Stafford. They're, they're a sleeper. Matt Stafford's going to light up the scoreboard and then you'll have like a down year. And then people are like, ah, you know, Matt Stafford, he, he's never inconsistent or maybe it's time to move on from him. Then you'll come back and have another great year. And then you'll have a, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is the year where again, He's getting a lot of pub for eight games, and people are like, I, the thing that frustrates me the most is whole, if you project his stats forward, he would have had 5,000 yards and almost 40 touchdowns. Yeah, well, the reason that's ridiculous is because the guy was playing out of this world. You think he was going to do that at that level consistently for eight more football games, not have a, a few clunkers in there or not have a few uh, great games? That's how football works. You don't come out and just blow it up uh, every game. So the fact that they were just going to project his numbers exactly like that for another eight games, I think, is ridiculous take by a lot of people. So I as much as I love this offense and I think they're, they're versatile and they, they can spread the football around. I, I got to see it again because I could easily see us having some struggles and people going like, Oh man, I thought the lions were going to have a good offense. And here we're sitting where, you know, they're starting slow again, or they're trying to come back in the fourth quarter and they're not running the football the way that we hope. I mean, again, you know, I'm the, I try to be the positive one on the show, but as far as this list goes, a lot of the teams that you named off, I'm I'm much higher on in regards to their overall talent, and I feel like the Lions need to come back this year in 2020 and put a real good year together offensively, so they can have two years back to back where they were pretty good, and like you can literally stack Matt Stafford's eight games, and then you can stack on 2020 and say, look, 16 quality games in 2020 plus his eight. Wow, him and Bevel and this offense are something to deal with, but I'm a little hesitant to do it right now just because I've seen the up-down theory with with this quarterback, this team, and just the old hype train where it's like, oh, we're going to go do this, that, and the other, and they come out looking hit or miss every week. Some weeks we are world beaters, and other weeks we're, we're fumbling our way through the first three quarters, and then we're losing to teams we shouldn't lose to. Or you hear me every week talking about, oh, this is a game where they might put up 30. And we come back on a Tuesday or Wednesday uh, doing our, our shows. And what they put up? Like 
12, 14, you know, maybe they score 21 if they're lucky, you know, like that's just the NFL game, I think. So, I mean, putting the Lions in the middle of the pack right now or even, uh, you know, a little bit lower than that until they come out and prove it again, I think is is more than fair. And I'm a little bit hesitant on some of the hype train I've been hearing about uh, Stafford for MVP, you know, oh, he would have done this, that, and the other if he was healthy. Okay, well, he hasn't been healthy for the last couple of years. So assuming his back's going to be perfect too is a somewhat of a stretch. So go out and show me. Don't Don't talk about it. I feel like the Lions are you know, in that mode of, hey, we just want to go win football games and we don't want to, you know, they're not into the hype or anything. So just go do that. Go win. I don't care if you score 40 or 14, put up W's and I'll be happy. And to me, this year is going to be a total coin flip when they start against the Chicago Bears. Are we going to come out and just lay the smack down on the Chicago Bears? Or are we going to come out and have a, a lackluster football game where we're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter because the offense isn't clicking or... We're not what we expected, so we'll wait and see. Is my is my thought because right now, I think that it's all over the map, and I'm just not willing to anoint them based on an eight game sample size. Gosh, Derek, I think I'm really starting to rub off on you because that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's my worst nightmare. I don't need you, uh, your your Eeyore ever rubbing off on me. But I'm I'm just saying that like it's just. It gets annoying that it's just like up and down every year. Like, what if Matt Stafford comes out and has some clunkers? What do you think the people will say? Oh, time to move on from him. Like, go draft a quarterback. But because he had eight games good last year, everyone's anointing him as the next MVP or guy that's going to have a resurgence back to 2011 that he's going to put up 45 touchdowns and, and revolutionize the league. And, I mean, I think the answer is probably somewhere in between both of those. But like you just said, though, you'd want to see it again. I mean, I mentioned a few of those teams like Kyler Murray all of a sudden. You know, he's, he was a rookie, and there were spots where he looked good. Then there was other spots where he just looked, you know, kind of lost. You know, you, I mean, you mentioned Cleveland and all their weapons, but there were plenty of games where Baker Mayfield looked like hot garbage. You know, and I know he you know, said, oh, I just got lost in the chaos of Cleveland. I mean, nobody's ever confused Cleveland for, you know, the bright lights and big city of New York or Los Angeles or Miami or anything like that. And he got lost in the chaos. It's just, come on, man. So for what you said with Detroit, wanted to, you know, have it put it up again, those couple teams there where you said I had a bad take, I, I would, I would have to say, well, fine, show me again. You know, first of all, Cleveland show me to start with, you know, you know, and, Kyler Murray, fine, show me again, you were a rookie, and now defenses are going to adjust to your weaknesses, you know, and, and, and force you to do that. So, you know, for like I'm, those few teams, like you said, I, I totally agree with you on, you know, Tampa Bay. They got a lot of great offensive talent. You know, Tom Brady's down there working with them and with his pedigree probably could be one of the most exciting ones. But so I agree with you on that. But for like what you said with Detroit, show you again, I think you can say the same thing with teams like Arizona. Um, and even Cleveland, to be honest with you, you know, they got a bunch of names over there, but still, I mean, they, they weren't that impressive with all those names last year. So, yeah, but what you're missing. And again, if you listen to some of my answers, I didn't mention one thing about Kyler Murray and my whole rant uh, that on my comeback because yeah, yeah, they've added Deandre Hopkins, who's a good player, but uh, you know, I'm not on this Kyler Murray hype train that he's going to be uh, just out of this world this year. I thought he was he was okay last year at times. He had a lot of inconsistencies as well. You can beat up Cleveland all you want to, and I'd never come on here as much as we have fun with the the Baker Mayfield uh, argument. Like <laughs> I don't I don't come on here and say, hey Grifka, you played great last year. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, this guy had, I mean, he was he was inaccurate, which he's never been in his career. He looked fat. He uh, was just making horrible decisions. And, and everybody knows the main reason that was is because they had a Swiss cheese offensive line and a ridiculous head coach who had no clue what he was doing. So they fixed both of those. They not only have all these skill players, now they have a totally rebuilt offensive line and the, the guy's rededicated. So... You know, they've obviously addressed the problems. And with the Lions, like, I feel like we have the same receivers, which is good. We have a TJ, a ripped TJ Hawkinson in year two, which is probably a good thing. But, you know, the Lions, like, by adding to their run game and, and by adding Big V, I mean, 
yeah, I hope it's helpful, but I don't know that that those were like the main issues. I feel like obviously Stafford's health was the main issue that took him out of the game. And, you know, we had other issues on offense, but I, I just don't know. Like, it's kind of, if big V is better than, than Rick Wagner, great. You know, if, if Swift is all we think he's going to be and, and, and carry on can still give us some things. Yeah. Run game will probably help Matt Stafford. But my, my other big argument with Stafford has always been, we can't sit around here and wait for everything to be perfect for this guy. You know, uh, he's got enough where he should be able to take this team to, uh, you know, a 10 win season and playoffs and, and take us from there. And, you know, it's always the next thing, you know, oh, he didn't have this or this didn't go perfect or, you know, oh, I, I wish this was better. Like, we just need it to be put all together this year. And I, I hate to take a wait and see approach, but it's kind of like I'm excited about this offense, but I could easily see T.J. Hawkinson having a, a marginal year stat wise, but helping the team. You know, I could see Kenny having to step back because he's going to get doubled. I could see you know, Swift being a really good player, but not blowing up from day one. Like people are anointing him because he had a few good practices here to start out. So we'll see. I mean, would I love them to come out and just blow up the scoreboard against Chicago and put everybody on notice that we're, we're an offense to deal with. Of course I would. I love Daryl Bevel. He's a smart, just exciting offensive coordinator, which we haven't had here in years and years, but Go show me again for a bigger sample size than six to eight games, and and we'll be excited about it. Uh, hopefully for a couple of years to come here, that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, like I said I mean it, it kind of sounds like what I would say. I'm always like the wait and see guy, so you know I do like your take. You know, and uh, well, like you said, we'll have to see what uh, what this offense does, and hopefully it's one of those things where they're allowed to. You know, really open up the playbook, not be handcuffed, always looking like, okay, we're just going to ground and pound, you know, three yards cloud of dust. So um, I'm hoping this becomes one of the most exciting offenses, you know, in the league based on the talent that they do have. But, you know, I, I'm right there with you, you know, wait and see and we'll go from there, okay? Everybody out there listening, the fact that Griffith twice said that what I said is similar to what he said, that, that absolutely does this to me. What the hell are you doing? Oh, wait, not that. It does this. That drives me freaking bonkers. The fact that I said a take that's similar to Grifka, like, makes me ask myself, what the hell are you doing? Hopefully I can come back and say, man, this offense was incredible. Like, uh, how did we not see this coming? Drink it in, man. Yeah, that's a, uh, like I said, I think uh, we've been doing the show uh, while well, I'm starting to rub off on you. So um, I, I, let's do I this. Let's finish that. up the show. We haven't done one of these in a while. I would, oh, would you rather? Now, I'm going to do a would you rather versus somebody who's been on the team before that you've, that you've known, that you've seen since you've been a fan, and somebody who's currently on the roster. Okay? So, uh, you know, some names on here that uh, you'll like, and uh, I'm just waiting to hear what what you say on some of them, okay? You ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, let's start with the first one. Would you rather have uh, Dammy, uh, Danny Amendola or Mike Furry? Oh, come on, Grifka. Like, I mean, we this joke one, about this one's Mike. cherry pick. <laughs> we joke about Mike Furry on the show. I mean, that was early in my fandom. Uh, the first white receiver I ever saw that was half decent. Uh, I don't know how he even made the Detroit Lions receiver core, let alone catch 100 passes, whatever it was, with good old John Kitna. But, I mean, I, I've absolutely loved what... Danny has brought to the team. I, I think I got into it a little bit with Benny Blades on the Believe in Lions podcast. It drops on Thursday where I was trying to tell Benny that as good as Danny's been, he's pretty dang old and you can't just keep these guys around forever despite what, how he's produced. So I, I really like the grimy, the greediness that Amandola has brought to the squad. I mean, I think if he plays similar or where he played uh, last year and helps us get, uh, as I keep saying, over the hump. Um, it, this is a slam dunk, but I mean, it's a pretty much a slam dunk for me. I, I think overall as a football player and just a, a guy that I've liked, uh, go ahead and give me Danny boy all day over your boy, Mike Furry. I think my favorite highlight of Mike Furry was that game at Texas Stadium where uh, Kitna threw him a touchdown and then Furry found like 
the, one of the stars that used to hang on the side of the wall and he threw the football at it and knocked it over, knocked the star off the wall. I, I just saw that highlight again recently. And I thought to myself, they lost that game. <laughs> that was the first time I'm like, they lost that game. I mean, it was cool how we did it, but they still lost that game. So, Hey, okay. hey Mike Furry, your celebration, just like Roy Williams, when he did a meditation in the end zone down about 21 on Thanksgiving or whatever it is. Yeah, you both get this sound bite here from the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. <laughs> what That's else awesome. you got on these on these would you rather's? Come on, Griff Kool. Let's, let's turn turn up uh, the pace. Would you the, now would you rather have Romeo Aquara or Cliff Averill? Oh my goodness. Uh I I I don't know. I'm I feel like I thought we had a steal in Romeo Quara, but he was just non-existent last year. Where his good old Uncle Cliff, he showed up almost every year coming out of Purdue or whatever, where he was uh, sacking people and doing that ridiculous choo-choo uh, celebration that he would do, where he was uh, pumping his fist. So, I mean, I know me, the big Hughes, he's probably out there somewhere listening. Uncle Cliff, Cliffy Averill was his boy, uh, one of his favorites. So. I'd probably go with Cliff in that scenario, but hopefully Aquara has a bounce back because I don't want to see him put up anything like he did last year. It was a pretty uh, rough season for him. Yeah, I know Cliff when they uh, when they when they drafted him, I was thinking, oh, just you know, just another guy. You know, he did some nice stuff here before uh, moving on to Seattle. So uh, I'm in agreement with you. I would take uh, Cliff Averill as well. Um, okay, next one. Would you that rather have Marcus Trufant or Dre Bly? Oh man, this is an easy one for me, but I, I feel like Trufant is a, a huge, big old question mark, big old wild card for the Detroit Lions this year. He's either going to be that really good vet that's going to be a, almost like a legend in this town where people are like, man, remember when we got Trufant and he had those two, three good years to the Lions and played the, better than we thought? Or he's going to be that vet that's a little dinged up that's past his days where we're like, man, we thought that was going to be a good signing and he just did not do what we needed to here. But this is an easy one. It's, it's Dre Boy all day, every day. He had so much swag. He was that guy that would get a pick six or get roasted and toasted from time to time. But I just loved his, his swagger, his game. It was so fun to watch. Again, a little bit early in my fandom, probably my first year or so, he was still hanging around. But... Dre Bly was fun to watch and, and, you know, probably goes down as one of my favorite corners the Lions have had during my time. Okay, Dre Bly all the way. He's Mr. High Risk, High Reward. He would jump routes, and but then he would get burned as well. Gosh, but, you know, loved his swag, just like you said. Um, so you, uh, next one. You... I agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> next one. A couple, uh, couple guys that had some injury issues. Um, First one, would you rather have Carrion Johnson or Javid Best? Hmm, Carrion. Carrion, my son. Or your boy, Javid Best, the uh, classic highlight that you can go find on YouTube where he gets KO'd in college. But good old Jim Schwartz wasn't worried about that. He, he thought he'd be okay. Um, you know, I was a supporter of the Javid Best pick as well. I'm not going to lie. I felt like uh, he had a lot of juice and was a, a good pick. I remember, you know, I think me and you were at Chuck's or something watching that draft. And they traded up for him and traded up with Minnesota. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we got Sue and Best. That's a good first round. And, and he came in and had some had some game. I mean, if I got to pick between the two, and this this hurts me because I remember going off on you a year or two ago about how carry on was easy to see how good he was and stuff. I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm really down on carry on right now, just based on, uh, gosh, I mean, everybody wants to talk about his health, but the biggest thing with that I see with him is that gigantic knee brace that he has on. I mean, I don't know how you're a dynamic running back in the league when you have a knee brace from your upper thigh till your lower calf, you know, on, on your right leg, which should probably be your, your cutting leg or, you know, he can tell you, Oh, it's just precautionary. It's going to limit your mobility a lot. And I feel like even his attitude on Twitter and stuff is sort of much more lackadaisical. Like, Oh, you know, I'm just, you know, doing this, doing that. Like, you know, don't worry about me or what he say last year when he came back, something about like, Oh, if I don't come back, my fans will become others fans. 
well, hey, carry on. Here's a note. If you don't ball out or actually get on the football field more than six times a year, your your fans are going to be you're going to have no fans because everybody just wants to see you play and play at a high level. And all these injuries and all this, you know, these comments you have, all you want to do is see you score touchdowns, run the football with ferocity. And here's the thing, not fumble on the half inch line against the Kansas City Chiefs that cost us that football game. So. This is Javid Best for me. I mean, carry on. I've soured on him a bit. I still hope he can be good and help this team, but I feel like his health's a big question mark. It wouldn't even shock me if he, like, you know, has injury issues and is, you know, just moved on sooner than we'd think, you know, because he just can't get over these knee issues that he's had since he's been in the NFL. So give me Best in his short stint just because he could house call him and obviously his career – was way too short as well. What did he play? Probably only two, three years, but they were pretty good years, but it's pretty embarrassing to just have him go out with concussions when everybody knew that was, was his issue. So can, can I take neither, I guess, because both are really disappointing me the more I talk about them. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I'll go back and take Wes Hills. Okay. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I just saw a text come across my phone saying uh, the 25 year old, uh, you know, player for the Detroit Lions was cut. I'm thinking, who's that? Like, are they talking about Wes Hills? <laughs> like, was there really an ESPN blurb that just came out about Wes Hills being cut from the Lions and acting like he's this 25-year-old stud? That was weird to me. That's great. So you lean toward best, and then you're like, forget it. Yeah, I'm going to leave them both there. You had a little buyer's remorse there. So yeah, I like that, though. Uh, yeah, gosh, if, like you said, if you were forcing me to take one, if it was the you know second to last pick and I'm picking a basketball team and, and you know, junior high gym, I guess I'll take job at best on that one then. So, hey, um, hey, real quick, Jim Schwartz. The fact that you watched Javid Best on YouTube, fell in love with him, drafted him, and then acted like, ah, no no big deal on the concussions. I'm sure that won't be an issue moving forward. Hey, hey Jim Schwartz, this is for you. It was a bad decision, period, point blank. It was a, a, one of the dumbest decisions I ever made. <laughs> oh, my goodness. that That's like one of those where just a year or two later, you sit back there and you're just like, everybody knew it, and then it just came back to bite us. It's just a... Gosh, a yeah. first round swing and a miss, despite the flashes that he had. Yeah, that, he was like the original planker on uh, YouTube. You know, the, right. where people would go around and plank and just stay flat, you know, as long <laughs> as possible. Yeah, that was him after that hit. <laughs> exactly. You know, so that guy was stiff before he even hit the ground. Oh, um, that's rough. Okay, uh, next one. I know we haven't seen him take it down yet for the team, but still, we kind of like we we both like the signing. Would you rather have Danny Shelton or Sean Rogers? Hmm. I don't know. I, I I saw an interview a day or two ago with Shelton, and I felt like, man, this is a really just a good guy off the field. It seems like he's right in the prime of his career. He's obviously a huge human being. Uh, I remember when he came out in that draft, and he almost, uh, you know, belly to belly suplexed the, the commissioner. I mean, you gotta like that. He's got some intensity to him. He he had a great pedigree coming out of college. I, I love a lot of things about Danny Shelton, but. I mean, I got to admit, again, shout out to Big Hughes, his his probably favorite player ever with the Detroit Lions, big baby Sean Rogers. I remember he had the jersey, and to me, Sean Rogers was that big fellow that was fun to watch, but would frustrate you so much, too, because he seemed so talented, but, you know, would always seem overweight, would always seem like just... He wasn't there when you needed him, but then when you didn't need him, he'd make some big sack or big sack fumble or big play. I always remember him running that ball into the end zone against Denver when he, he rumbled and stumbled and, and ran out of breath and then dove into the end zone. I was I was there for that game. That was incredible. I think the Lions were like, you know, seven and two or something at that point, something crazy during that season. So. I mean, if I got a pick, I've got high hopes for Danny Shelton, but give me Sean Rogers, uh, real fun, uh, good draft pick, and and I thought he was a good player for the Lions for 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 what he what he did. A little lazy though. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Danny Shelton on this because uh, Sean Rogers was lazy. <laughs> that guy took plays off. I mean, talking about a guy disappearing. Talking about when there was a goal line stand or whatever, and he wasn't on the field and. Uh, the coach was like, well, we have different player personnels. And I was like, well, come Sean Rogers, your best defensive tackles on the field at the goal line. Well, we have different player personnel. You got Andre Fulel and on the field as opposed to Sean <laughs> Rogers. I got big problems with that. So uh, it's like, duh. Yeah, that guy was like, lazy. Duh. 
that's why i like sean rogers because i i like the super talented guys that know they're so talented they don't he he almost knew he didn't have to work that hard so it it was just funny to me it was like yeah you would love a big 350 pounder that can move like him to be a a workhorse but the fact that he was fat lazy and still really good was made him even cooler i think the ultimate Detroit, yeah. Detroit versus everybody, D town, you know, inner city type uh, interior defensive tackle, Sean Rogers. Yeah, I always heard he could lift some plates, but it was too bad it was plates of food at the Golden Corral, not like in the freaking gym. <laughs> oh, Grifka with a one liner. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. This one's just for you, man. This one might oh, be a little boy. hard, okay? Oh, God, here we Would go. Would you rather have the outlaw, Jesse James? Or Eric Ebron. <laughs> oh, I thought you—I thought you were gonna combo the outlaw with a punter we shall not speak of. But <laughs> no, uh, I want to do that you, to you. You just put them both back again. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you throw Ebron in there, oh my goodness! Like, you know, gosh, we—the funny part, like Jesse James, become a gimmick on the show about. Uh, you know how much I I rag on him and call him a big waste piece of crap, uh, but I I re- distinctly remember when they signed him. Me and you going on and on. They could probably people can find it in the archives. Me and you talking about Jesse James signing. Oh yeah, like his age. He's six foot six or seven. You know, hey, six million bucks isn't. Uh, it's kind of the going rate for a decent young tight end. And I mean, we liked him in college. We felt like it was he could be a decent player, play a good role, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's just been an absolute paperweight here, you know, just nothing. Like I don't know what he does well, uh, except collect a seven million dollar check for some reason for multiple years from our football team. So. As much as it pains me and as much as the people are going to hate it and as much as he's been a complete uh, chotch since he's left here, he's got the rabbit ears and the frying pan hands. Like, you know me, I I didn't want them to draft Eric Gibran, but I thought he had some moments here and I thought he was never really used properly where they were able to get him the football more when you spend that type of draft capital on a player. So because I've created the gimmick of the absolute $7 million waste of space piece of garbage named the outlaw Jesse James, I'm going to go with uh, the piece of crap frying pan hands Twitter monster named uh, Eric Ebum. Give me the Ebum here um, with with the Crisco hands uh, if I got to pick between these two stiffs. Wow, Ebum went with him. Gosh. I, I still can't take him, man. You got to give me the outlaw, no matter how much he's robbing this. You know, the real Jesse James would rob trains. This Jesse James actually just robbing the lines, just walking in every Tuesday. You know, he doesn't even have a gun. He just walks up. It's like, hey, give me the money. And they just hand him his paycheck. So uh, <laughs> they both stole from people. You know, one just happens to be stealing from our favorite football team. <laughs> But still, Every, give me the outlaw. <laughs> Everybody, that's two zingers in a row from Grifka. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's open mic night. Open mic night uh, for Mike Grifka. You can find him at the local uh, comedy club down the street. Yeah. Um, if you like my jokes, hit me up on Twitter at Grifka DKC. Yeah. <laughs> Griffka, you know what was best is you had a birthday this week. I I put a little shout out for you. I also then later found out you got the same birthday as Trey Flowers. So you might want to stop ragging on him here on the show because he's another guy that will absolutely choke slam you um, right right through the uh, barricade when we're at training camp. But uh, like the... Was there anything better than me uh, tweeting out a picture of a jersey I bought for you earlier this year because I was going to make you wear it at the first opening game that you always uh, select for us to go to with our season tickets that we split? I was going to make you rock during the whole tailgate an authentic Brandon Pettigrew practice jersey. That literally is in my closet here that I've been storing up for you because that's the guy that we always argued about. That's the guy you ragged on for years and years. And sure enough, I was able to find it on eBay for a ridiculous price. I mean, it was about the price of a napkin. I was like, oh, I'm getting this just just because I I shouldn't even spend the money, but because I liked him a little bit as a player and just to rub it in on you. I was like, this will be worth the, the money just to make fun of Grifka for a couple hours at a tailgate. So I literally own a Brandon Pettigrew authentic practice jersey just to make you annoyed. And I was able to do that on your birthday by sending you that photo. So that was good times for me. 
It, yeah, that was cool. And uh, the problem with it was like, if I'm wearing it at the tailgate, I wouldn't been able to you know handle the tongs as I'm you know working on the grill, and I'd go to pick up my drink and I'd drop that too, and you know it was just so uh, that would have been a problem. And then once I would have took it off, I would have been fine. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, Gritka, like I said, that was the last one. So, uh, you want to touch base on anything else? I mean, I thought it was it was a good show, some fun stuff. I mean, the people know there's only there's only one thing left to do. There's only one question that's on everybody's mind. There's only one thing that people want to know, and that's simply this, Grifka. I just want to know from you personally. Do you have anything? outlandish, stupendous, tremendous, just earth-shattering, maybe something that would blow the people's minds, just a, something that's just out of this world, just a uh, a thing that's going to rock the foundation of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast here to end the show. Griff, do you have anything else for the people? Hmm. Nope. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Everybody, drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. We actually have football. We are just craving getting to that first game. I mean, I cannot wait until we can recap that first game, actually have some clue of what this new revamped Detroit Lions is that's healthy. They've added some pieces. Grifka's talked about the offense here today on the show. Will they be dynamic? Will they frustrate us? We're both hoping they'll be dynamic, but they need to go out and show us, and they need to show us for four quarters, 16 games, put it all together. We don't care if there's no fans in the stands or anything. We just want Ws. We want to see a good uh, product from our team. So um, excited for football. We're getting closer, but it can't come soon enough. So everybody, do this. Drink it in, man. And we'll catch you next week right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.